Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday. We are going to talk about Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final and a number of other things uh, happening in the NHL. A lot of lot of news, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, but we're going to start with our pre-show uh Peter first, because I just had lunch, <laughs> so I'll uh, talk about food. So I was away for a little bit, um, a long planned trip with my wife and my stepbrother and my brother-in-law to go visit them in San Francisco. And part of the deal was, is we were going up to Napa for the weekend. So we went up on Friday and months and months ago, we were able to secure a reservation mm-hmm. at one of the few three Michelin starred restaurants in the world called um, the French Laundry, which is owned and operated and founded by um, very renowned chef, Thomas Keller. He has another restaurant in New York city called per se. Mm -hmm. This has sort of been a bucket list thing for my wife and I, and um, needless to say, that was a meal we will never ever forget. And we will never do again. I'm, I'm trying to find a way to put like Canada has an has its sort of own eBay thing. It's called Kijiji. I probably have to put a kidney up on there to pay for my credit I, card. I was bill. I was gonna ask without prying too much what the what the what the rate was for. No, it. Don't ask. no don't do no, that. No, no, no. Let's just let's just say no sane individual does this. Right. Okay. Here's the I love food. I'm sure I would love the meal. But I would get eater's remorse. I would. Yeah, I I, I had some eater's remorse. I still do. Well, now the ahead. interesting thing about it was is you don't know what the menu is before you're going. It's a set menu. It's right. sort of curated each day. No control over. It. That's the other problem with me is I have so many of these food quirks. I, I couldn't. Yeah, do it. but you, you go like you don't go to this without putting your quirks aside, knowing that you're yeah. getting like that's how it works. Anyways. The funniest part of it all was um, we had all these different things and it was amazing. And then your cheese thing came. So part of it is after your main courses and stuff, you get a cheese thing before the sweets. A cheese so, plate? Like a cheese a, plate well, you think it's a cheese plate, but out comes a plate. And it's a circular plate with something basically the size of a large button. So, I mean, it'd be like the size of two toonies, if you're understand okay. what that is, like combined sort of that size. Last time and, we talked toonies, you guys buried the ice in the Olympics. I don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so it's like, like, ha- like, like half the diameter of a puck, okay. half the circumference of a puck. And right. it's about, it's about as, it's about like a stack of, say, seven quarters thick. And this is your cheese plate in this cheese sauce. You pick it up and you take it with your fork and you put this thing in your half of it in your mouth. And it was the most orgasmic experience all of us had. We were actually going to try and barter with the waiter, our server, to see if we could get more of those and forget the sweets. It was so good. And it was made, the cheese was made by this lady who was a concert violinist. She's 69 years old. She retired from being a concert violinist. She moved into Sonoma and decided she was going to raise goats and make cheese. So it's this Gruyere goat cheese. It was, that's all we talked about for the next three days. We just talked about the cheese. I mean, there are other- about cheese 
Who's talked about cheese? But that particular cheese. We're talking about tra- we're talking about practice. Uh, we're done with the food. That is interesting. Yeah. I do. I, I agree. So speaking of cheese, didn't the White House do a cheesy thing the other day? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. So a couple of things. The White House has basically blamed the Eagles on backing out of of this celebration. Now, of course, the White House is going to cite that a thousand Eagles fans were going to attend because yes. When the Eagles believed that the fans believed they were going, of course they were going to attend. It's not like they were going to attend without the Eagles there. I think that's a sadly mistaken misfact of all this. I also think that you know Jeffrey Lurie did did get quoted out in public about what he really felt about the president, and that I think probably irked him. And I think the president was waiting to pull out the rug because he knew that certain players didn't want to do it. But here's why he's doing it. It's not only because he was, you know, disowned by the NFL and couldn't get a team. No, it's that. I'm telling you, it's that. That's only a part of it. The other part of it is, remember, Linda McMahon is in his cabinet. Vince McMahon's league is a year away, and they just announced the commissioner today. Oliver Love. I think he has been trying to put bad light on the NFL for the last six months to help out the XFL, which would also help out – somebody in his cabinet, and maybe him if he gets a piece of a team. Well, I, th- this is the thing. I mean, I, 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 I'm not trying to be political here, but we have a president who is a troll, who is a, who is a, a male chauvinist, and who is just a, an a-hole. And that's really anything that can distract and anything that he can do to get even for people who slighted him in the past, he will do. And nobody slighted him more than the NFL. He, you know, he started a rival league. He tried to get into the NFL. He tried to buy the Buffalo Bills. I mean, how many times? And he, you know, this thing was supposedly settled. The NFL with the, with this half-ass thing that they did with with the anthem. He, they they really tried to placate him and and keep and keep his mouth shut. He doesn't want to keep his, his mouth shut. He wants to throw mud at the NFL, and this was the perfect way to do it. And I joked on Twitter. Says, when, he's, when he's throwing mud at the NFL, it's helping the future rival league. It is. Yeah, sure. And, but, and, I, and I said on Twitter, I said, uh, I'm sure that if the Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup, uh, they'll be invited to the White House because there's a lot of Russians on that team. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's I really – honestly – it's gotten to the point where, like, I, you know, I'm somebody who who loved politics. I can't deal with it anymore. I can't talk about it anymore. I'm surprised I'm talking about it this much. It sickens well, it's more me. Sports related than political. This yes, day. it is, but it also has its tentacles. Oh yeah, in politics because Pennsylvania. I mean, honestly, Pennsylvania is a big. St- Pennsylvania is one of the reasons he won the election. Right. So to ostracize and to uh, to uh, insult. Yeah. The fan base of the Philadelphia Eagles after they win a Super Bowl is not a smart thing politically, but I've never accused Donald Trump of being smart. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I I I have to say this though to to be a little bit to make a little bit of comparison here, and I'm not going to mention the name of the place that we went to uh, on Friday. Russ, Russ, is, Russ, and a few friends and uh, went. We went to a restaurant in downtown Buffalo. It was and pretty much it was it was great, but. We we ordered a Caesar salad and Russ and I decided to to split <laughs> to split the Caesar salad. That's funny. And the the plate comes out and it's basically like they took two small heads of romaine lettuce, threw it on a grill, mm-hmm. flipped it flipped it each side, 
put it on, pour poured a bunch of 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 Caesar dressing. A few, a few little croutons and some, some uh, a variety of uh, like heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. And put a, it looked like a sardine on the top of one of the, uh, one of the uh, the, the, the lucky the, sardine. Yeah, the yeah. Russ, yeah. Ru, Russ got the lucky sardine because I was sure that's, that's 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 a deconstructed Caesar salad. That's all yes. the rate right now. It's really good. It was good. Look, it was good. It was interesting that we shared it. But Mike really screwed me because he gave me the part with the stem, and I had it instantly cut off. They both had stems. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was two heads. It was two frigging heads. Are you kidding me? Oh, I love Caesar's that way. I, I love Caesar salad, I but I, just, I, I honestly, part of Caesar salad is could you cut it? Could you make it a salad? Just don't give Wait, me. You a don't fruit. know how to use a knife. I think I insulted the waitress because I didn't want any, you know, cracked pepper. But I'm not a pepper guy, so it's like, oh. <laughs> No, Peter. Yeah. I know. I know, Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm a pepper snob. Okay. Hello, hockey world. Oh, we, by the way, we, we we may be joined at some point by Kevin Allen of USA Today. Um, hello, hockey world. Uh, today is Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. Hey, I'm Peter Tessie, back from the uh, warm climates of Napa, getting all sorts of dumb emails and stuff at the moment, but I'm back in Winnipeg and happy to be home. I'm back from Washington. Geez, I got about three hours sleep. Happy to be on the show. And your name is? <laughs> no. <laughs> Captain America. No, Russ needs no introduction. Captain and, America. And I'm Michael Lagello, who traveled up to QEW twice for two Calder Cup finals. And uh, this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's let's start with the breaking news, and then we'll get into the game, game four from last night, because the breaking okay. news is that Lou Lamorello – the noted hatchet man, and I say that lovingly, has dropped the axe in Brooklyn. Uh, hey, Kevin, uh, we are live. Yep. Sorry about uh, that. No, no problem. No problem. Just tilt your screen down a little bit. There you go. Perfect. Uh, we are just starting, and we're b before talking about uh, game four, we're going to talk about uh, what the, the news that broke about a half hour ago, which is that Lou Lamorello has uh, dismissed uh, – uh, Garth Snow as general manager and Doug Waite as head coach of the New York Islanders. So uh, Lou is going to take over. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Uh, Lou is going to take over as general manager, and there will be a search for a new head coach. Now, I think Kevin is frozen here, so um, yes. probably wait for him to, to uh, reappear. But, Russ, uh, I mean – I'm I'm a, I'm a little surprised because it didn't happen in one fell swoop, but knowing Lou, I'm not surprised. No, knowing Lou, I'm not surprised either. Um, I did tell you guys that I felt like Doug Waite was gone all along, and so I, I thought that was a fate complete, like that was going to happen no matter what. As far as as far as Garth, look, he's gone, but he's not. It's going to be the same as like JFJ with the Leafs. One day, all of a sudden, you know. He was sitting next to me at a uh, Flyers game scouting. And so, you know, I might, the same might happen to Garth. Uh, the interesting thing is, I think Sheldon Keefe will be looked at, but I do think, like what Mike has been saying offline, is pretty accurate in that Dubas probably has future plans for him and he probably won't go anywhere as a result. I do think Dave Tippett will be explored, but I still think Bruce Boudreau is the number one guy hmm. if. Barry Trotz leaves, goes to Minnesota because of Paul Fenton, 
And and I think Boudreaux would, would actually like be a breath of fresh air for the island with the New York media. He would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and I think Lou would be all in on that. So I, I so, I'm going Boudreaux as the number one. Hold on. Hold on. Am I I know I've been away I've been away ah. here. But if Barry Trotz wins the Stanley Cup, he's leaving Washington. He's leaving, yes. Yeah, he's leaving one way or the other. The the way it sounds, it sounds like they um he and it's not it's not that they won't offer him a contract. It's that you know there's some there's some animus between him and the general manager, and he oh. wants to leave. And I'm assuming that you know he's got an opportunity to jump right into another job. So did Drogue get fired? And I missed this too. No, he hasn't. He hasn't <laughs> yet. But with the, but with the change with the change in general manager to Paul Fenton, who yeah, uh, was assistant in GM in Nashville, and has long long yeah. had a relationship with Barry Trotz. That's that's the 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 talk the right now that yeah. it's uh, that there's that's a distinct possibility. But uh, you know, what what do you what do you think of this whole situation uh, in regards to uh, Lou? Well, I, I think it's fascinating, and as I said before, we started the um, started the episode. Is you brought me up to speed? I mean, I'm literally catching up with life here, and I literally I turned off my phone basically while I was away. So you know, it's kind of fun to come in fresh like that, where you just really have yeah. no idea what's been going on. Um, you know, it's interesting. They brought Lou in to be the executioner and the hatchet man, um, and do their thing, and. You know, you can you can take that on any way you want. Is it a cowardly thing? Is it is it is it a smart move for the for the ownership? Whatever the case is, Lou Lamarillo has a role. He has a reputation, and he's earned it by Never. being cutthroat around doing things. And and in, in business, you need someone like that. You need you need to have that element within your organization. You don't need to run your organization, but you do need the Islanders, as we have talked about for months and months are a team that needed to do something different to change, right? They are a team that absolutely needed a level of change and structure in them to get out of this constant doldrums that they're in. We'll lose that guy. And he just made his big, big swing with the ax and he took down, you know, a big tree as, as you were saying, Russ too, like Doug Waite, being you know being collateral damage and this is not surprising there was never any certainty I there that was happening without a loop yeah um now lou is in control and we all know what happens when a new guy takes control of the gm role mm-hmm. and everything you got to have your coach and your coach has to buy into what you're going to do in the short term and perhaps long term right but, well kevin and, and now lou's okay. got to find someone Kevin, I'm interested in your perspective on this uh, with uh, with Lou uh, um, getting – well, I mean, Garth Snow and Doug White will still be part of the organization, but they've been relieved of their duties for GM and head coach. Um, there was a lot of thought that Garth would stay on in some capacity, and he is, but there was some thought that he would stay on as general manager. But now we have Lou moving into the GM spot, and now – Maybe the organization looking for an assistant general manager and definitely looking for a head coach. What are, what are your thoughts on this situation? Well, frankly, you know, uh, you know, Lou Lamarillo was the general manager even when he was the director of hockey operations. Uh, you know, even if Garth had stayed, it, it wasn't going to be you know the, the type of situation uh, um, that would have been desirable for for Garth. So it's almost a better uh, you know situation for him just to be removed. Uh, 
you know, from the, the, the process. But, um, you know, Lou runs his own ship uh, and he will um, probably be very aggressive in searching for a goaltender this uh, summer. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I, I would rule out Barry Trotz ended up in on Long Island. Um, you know, so any, any, I mean, anything is possible. Anything is possible, especially yeah, no. if you, especially if he wins a cup, because yeah. you, I, you know, why haven't they fired Bruce Boudreaux by now? Um, you know, uh, well, I mean, maybe because they still need to talk to Barry. Maybe he hasn't even decided. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just think anything is possible. I wouldn't rule anything out. I, I do see the connection, but obviously between. Uh, and it's not just Fenton and, and Trotz; it's Leopold and Trotz, right? right. As, as well. I mean, uh, you know, Leopold um, was very comfortable in his days in Nashville, going down after games and sitting in the coach's office. Right. Um, so, I mean, so there's a lot of reasons for that. But I actually thought Bruce Boudreau did an excellent job with Minnesota. Yeah. I, I I don't think coaching was the problem there. I and think no, well, we never do. Most of the time, we don't with him, Kev. But it just He's never been able to break through, and someone like Lou uh, might look at him and say, you know what, I could be the guy that, that gets you through that if he shakes loose. You have to admit, Bruce Boudreau on the new, you know, let loose on the New York media would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, he, he is a tremendous human being, always well-loved by his uh, players. It's like playing for your grandfather. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I thought he did – everywhere he's been, I thought he has done a good job. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think the Game 7 things – and, you know, it's almost become self-fulfilling because I think the players start to worry about it because they're trying to win for him because um, they like him. And I think it becomes a problem. But, um, you know, I this is the best possible news for the New York Islanders in terms and, of uh, – Sorry. And if you look if you look at Lou's history, with the, especially with the Devils, he's always hired veteran coaches. Right. Pat, Pat Burns. Right, uh, Jock Lemaire, Larry Robinson. I mean, uh, always he he went with somebody with a, a vast deal of experience. And now I, I, you know, I I looked at the situation and looked at you know a couple people in the Leaf organization who might be candidates. One being DJ Smith, who's a former Islander Memorial Cup winner and uh, assistant to Babcock in Toronto. And the other one is Sheldon Keefe, who's the Marlies coach, who's going to be an NHL coach within a year or two. And I think they're candidates. I think they may may get interviews, but I don't know whether Lou would go in that direction because he's always gone with the veteran experienced guy and Tippett and Boudreaux and Trotz right uh, right along those lines. I, that, that's, that's my point. Exactly. I just wouldn't rule out any veteran guy. Lou. I don't think so. I don't think Lou would get along with him. I, I I wouldn't completely rule him out. Uh, you know that's not his loose style of coach, though. He obviously likes defensive. Uh, yeah, style coaches, but I I wouldn't rule it out. Plus he's strong. Like I think that's something where I I don't think Lou would Lou would get some battles out of that. I don't think Lou wants battles in this job. We're going to assume this is Lou's last job. You know. Yeah. How about yeah, Michelle? Lou? Lou doesn't. There are no battles with Lou because he just basically says it's my way. I know, but that's the problem with Elaine Vigneault. He finds ways to create battles. He does. I mean, he worked in Vancouver. I mean, he worked collaboratively with Mike Gillis, but when with ownership, when they hired him, the 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 um the Aquilini family 
is our way or the highway. Mm -hmm. That's how they are. I'll get, I'll give you another name and he's associated with USA hockey. So that how about Dan Bilesma? Yeah, I thought about that, but I, you know, I don't know. For some reason, I don't feel like that's a fit either. And I don't know why. <laughs> so, I, but it doesn't. I don't think Bosma would want to be in a New York market. Like he just, I think he got sort of shell shocked in Pittsburgh a little bit when probably would want a smaller market. That would be my feel. You know, I mean, he went to Buffalo, right? How do you do there? What's, well, what's that's a way what's, smaller market. Here, here's a question though. Like, how long, like, can Balsma go without getting a job before suddenly he gets pushed off to the side? You before, know? He, before he starts getting the Ron Wilson treatment, he yeah. hasn't posted long enough. You know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, he, you're right. It can only go another year or two. Right. Yeah. So if he wants to stay in the game. Now, the, the interesting thing, and this is just supposition, and I don't know how much people buy into it, but a lot of, a lot of speculation was that Doug Waite was a favorite of John Tavares, and that now that Waite has been fired, that decreases the chance of Tavares re-signing with the Islanders. I'm not sure if I buy that. I don't know if it if that means I, – I think who they hire as a head coach will will be a, a big factor, and I'm assuming they're going to hire somebody before the draft, so that'll be a, that will be a, a factor for Tavares in a decision. But, Kevin, what do you, what do you, th- what do you think of that, or what do you think well, of that? That's an interesting theory, um, and I do. I I know Doug Waite uh, to be uh, uh, full disclosure here. I've known him, you know, pretty well for a long time, and I'm a big fan of his. And um, I don't not sure what happened last season, but you know, obviously last season they kind of fell apart. But you know, he he reluctantly went into coaching and then really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think Tavares likes. Uh, Doug Wade because he knows he's a good hockey guy and understands the game and understands, um, you know, what it takes to be a top performer in the NHL. But I, I don't know that that will be I, – I think the weight of having Lou Lamarillo as a general manager um, would trump the fact that he lost Doug Wade. I, I just think there is uh, – Lamarillo has a tremendous reputation among players. Like mm-hmm. they – you know, everybody believes that he knows what he's doing. You know, if Tavares ask anybody who played for him, they're going to say that Lou is fair to everybody. You know, he's good to work for. You know, even though he has a reputation as being kind of a grumpy guy, he's really not. Like players right. like him; they like playing for him. So, um, I I would think that would uh, supersede uh, any negative uh, aspect of losing Doug Wade, and I can understand why Tavares would be upset. Doug. Doug Waite's a good guy. Uh, I agree, but here's the thing, and this is probably the, the toughest part of the sell, even for Lou to Tavares. So even going into this year, let's say you get your goalie. Let's say Tavares stays. Let's say you even get Kovalchuk. You still have problems on that team. You've got aging players, Andrew Ladd, Johnny Boychuk. Like there's a lot of problems that you can't possibly solve in all in one offseason. And the goaltending. You know, that's the thing. You know, well, the goaltender, I already, I already guessed that he would have one. So, but the thing is, you know, that he's going to get one and you're going to trade one what? or both of those first round picks. To well, do let, me, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Russ, but how many perfect teams are out there? No, there's not a perfect team, but I'm saying. But, but, but my point is that his options out there, every option that he's going to look at it, they're going to have problems. Hell, the team, the hell, the team that's going to win the Stanley Cup is far from being a perfect team. I've been well, that's, saying that's that. That's exactly right. So. I don't know that it's going to be, uh, 
you know, that sort of issue. Like, I, I don't think it's really going to come down to does he think that Luke can fix this thing quickly. I think it's just a matter of and, – and the Islanders do have a, a collection of talent. Well, yeah. they, they do, but I do think he's going to want it to be fairly quick because I think otherwise, why stay? He could go to a winner now. And I, I where's he gonna go? Tell me where he's gonna go, Russ. That's a winner now. Okay. I mean, if he goes to San Jose. Let's say he goes to San Jose, which I do think is the number one choice at the moment. They could win right away. They have a goalie, they have defense, they have Burns. Maybe even Thornton comes back really Are cheap. Are they in the top five teams in the NHL? No. No, but, but nobody then he won't be able to go anywhere that'll be a top five team. But even with the scenario I gave you, it's not a guarantee the Islanders even make the playoffs. Like, yeah, but why do you even judge that? Let's look at it like the, like the New Jersey Devils or the Colorado well, Devils. If goes to the Devils, they clearly could be a playoff team. They already are. And so the, the Devils would be that other team that definitely could compete right away. No, that, my, my, my point about the Devils is, is that a year ago they looked like a disaster. Yeah. And yeah, now we're talking is, about them. Shiro, Shiro had been making moves all along. That had been helping, and then that was his big off season. I'm saying you can't do it all in one off season. And Tavares, I don't know if he's going to want that. Go ahead, Peter. I, I was just going to say. I mean, you can switch things like you can switch things pretty fast. I mean, look at this: the Winnipeg Jets. Now a different team, but a lot of talent there, and the Islanders have a lot of talent. They went from missing the playoffs by a lot to coming two points from being the top team in the NHL. In one season, you know what changed for them? They got some goaltending. Give the Islanders some goaltending and see what happens. Well, and, and that you know, that's what Lou's got to do. He's got to find some goaltending and give the rest of the roster some stability. Yes, there's some duds on there. Yes, Andrew Ladd's making too much money, but it's not impossible to take a team that underperformed and fix some of the key problems and get them into contention. And that might all he, that might be all he has to do to convince Tavares. And as, as you guys have said, players have faith in this guy. He's respected. They believe him. That's, that's the interesting thing is the goaltending question. We talked about it yesterday on the show, uh, Kevin, is that, you know, they have two first round picks, I believe 12 and 13 and act, um, was told by someone that it's possible that they could trade both firsts, which I I don't see a goaltender that is considered available right now that would be worthy of getting two, giving up two first round picks for unless his name is Carey Price. Um, but I, I, we we try to we scoured our minds in terms of potential available goaltenders. I've been saying Corey Crawford. I know Corey Schneider came up. I mean, what who other than Grubauer? Who else is out there? Well, you know, I, I put uh, Carter Hutton actually sixth on my free agent list because there are three teams looking for a goalkeeper right now that I'm aware of. And there's always somebody that you're not counting on. But, sure. um, you know, obviously the Carolina Hurricanes are looking for a goalie. The Detroit Red Wings are looking for a goalie. And the New York Islanders are looking for a goalie. Uh, Grubauer and Hutton are probably going to get two of those positions. So there's one, you know, one team is still looking for a goalie that's been not identified yet. I, I would find it startling if the Islanders uh, gave up uh, one or or two first round draft picks to, you know, right. try to get a goalie. And, and like, there's, there's no one out there. So let's say they get Carter Hutton. They really have to beef up their defense. I mean, if you look at him, Calvin DeHaan's a free agent for one thing, and they barely have a top four anymore. I, I mean, 
I, I mean, I agree with all that, but you know, you're discounting the fact that there is a sort of a chaos theory that always goes with the NHL that oh. allows teams to, you know, make dramatic rises. Um, you know, like we already talked about Colorado, New Jersey, you know, Peter just brought up Winnipeg, how quickly they moved up all because they're goaltending. Like if the Islanders would have had better goaltending this season, mm. what would they have been? You know, we, you know, they would have, I mean, they I, closer, but they I still have to. Look at what goaltending did to the Oilers. It's yeah. the same thing, right? Like, yeah. It Cam, makes it... Cam Talbot played pedestrian, and they and yeah. they crapped out. And when he was almost Superman, they they made the second round of the playoffs. Right. No. Yeah, Jim Rutherford has given me two of my all time favorite quotes. Um, you know, he said that trying to win uh, the uh, Stanley Cup for two, two years in a row is like climbing Mount Everest in March and then September. Going to that mountain again and looking up and saying, "Oh my God, we got to do it again." You know, like that's <laughs> how hard it is. That was one. But his other, my other favorite coaches. I once asked him whether a guy was a good coach, and he said, "Who's his goalie?" And and the you know the point of that obviously is just the point we're trying to make here that you know you have some decent teams that could you know do well. I mean, you, look at the Vegas Golden Knights leading them into the playoffs. And I can't. Well, I mean that—that's fair. I mean, you know, Carter Hutton has been a, a backup his entire career, but and he is know. thirty-two years old. That's yeah, the but he played—he played well last season, and he did. Played- so did Aaron Dell. Are we going to say Aaron Dell could turn you into a playoff team? No, no, we no, don't. That, 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 and they may not let, be the let's put it this way. Right. Here, here's the difference. Here's the difference between me and you, Russ. I think it's possible the Islanders could make the playoffs the next year, just because that's just yeah. the way it works in the NHL, and you just think they're just not good enough to to do it even with minor changes and i think they could and i'll and i'll and i and i've mentioned i've mentioned his name on a couple previous shows and i know that you know because i'm i'm toronto centric but uh on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to a 32 year old goaltender who's been a backup in the nhl for a number of years but had a great year in hutton a guy like garrett sparks who's 24 years old who's won the ahl vesna and uh is probably gonna you know could win a calder cup and uh had an amazing year that might be a goaltender that teams, because he's low cost, might be willing to take a shot on. And oh, with, with, backup, yeah. I, I don't know about that as, as a backup. Oh, he's not going to be a starter. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying. I, it's, I think it's a possibility. They don't, Russ, they just need to find a solution. The, the, the franchise no, starter like, is a long ways off. And that's not – see, that's where I think we get hung up no, on Bokov things. was a solution, and they didn't do anything with him. And he was a pretty good but, solution. No, 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 no. I know what you're saying, but that's the past. This is Lou's team now. He, it's his problem. Okay, but the team isn't going to magically transform in one summer. That's what no. I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying it's going to magically transform. I think it's going to transform because you've got a guy who's got a proven track record of doing things who can make something happen. Can he do it again in a short time? That's the question, but that's definitely what he has to do. That's his aim. Like That's his goal. He's that's, not there to axe everyone. This team that has made the playoffs three times in 11 years, that's been the aim all along. It's been the aim since Mike Milbury, and then Mike Milbury handed it off to Garth Snow, and it got worse. Right. And and the point – but that's 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 there. Lou's a huge upgrade. That's stuff. different, though. You're comparing Mike Milbury to Lou Lamarillo. No, I'm not. What I'm well, saying – No, but you, but you did in a nah. way. You said, well, nah. Mike Milbury, that's the team's name, and you cited those two names. We're talking about Lou and what Lou has to do. It's a big Who job. Cares if it's, Ross, if it's repetitive, it's the same problem. See, I've already taken that's, the faith. I've already put Tavares on the roster. What if he's not? 
then it's more chaos. Well, right. And I think what we're getting at here is the idea that by having Lou and having his pedigree, his trust, his reputation and everything, this is their best chance to keep Tavares in the fold. Right. And they still, and they still, and they still may not, they still may not be You've outlined the other challenges that he's faced with. Just because the challenges exist doesn't mean it's Lou's like Lou's going to fail at doing them. Okay, it doesn't mean he's going to succeed either. But the bones of the Leafs were much better than the bones of the Devils that Lou left over when he left. Like the Devils were underperforming the last couple of years of Lou when he left there, and he did a nice job in Toronto, no question. But they had really good things to start with, and I believe better things than what the Islanders have. I do. Well, I mean, yeah. I I think you know if what you're saying is they're not going to the Islanders are going not going to be the best team in the league next year. I, I think we all agree oh, with that. I, know that. I think all Peter and I are saying is it's not unthinkable that they could make the playoffs next yeah. year. I think I think it's possible, but I think he's got to solve probably two or three problems that are big. And Tavares yeah. is number one, and the goaltending is number two, and he's got free agents and and elderly players on defense and he's got to rectify that situation before you i think you can really even address the possibility you know remember they're in a division with columbus pittsburgh washington the range i mean you know the rangers may be through going through the rebuild that's a that is an extremely tough division so right now i mean it looks to me that they're relegated to a potential wild card spot i don't think they're a top three team even and but that's i i would agree with that too but i mean We've just seen it happen too often in this league sure. that that teams end up being better than you think just I because mean, the Islanders only have 13 players under contract. That's way less than what the Leafs had when Lou took over. Way less, right? right. And but when yeah. Lou took over, when Lou took over, Russ, that was after they finished in dead last, and they were and and Lou facilitated the Fanuf deal. They were still in the in the process of rebuild. Here, I think he actually has. Remember, he he, he you know he got. Austin Matthews, but you know, drafted him, but that was all the the legwork in terms of them losing was pretty much done. So I mean, I you know, I I, I think he's got a challenge in front of him. He's got a lot of things to do. It's going to be very. They're going to be the most interesting team. They have seven watch. UFAs and five RFAs. This is a bigger job. It yeah. is. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's, know, a, it's a big job, but it's not. You know, a, it's not a massive job. Oh, I think it's massive. I do. It's not, it's a big job, but RFAs are RFAs. You're going to deal with them one way or the other. The UFAs, well, I mean, you like who are you? Let's look at them right now. So, Calvin DeHaan, Thomas Hickey, Dennis Seidenberg, Wagner, Kuhleman, and Tavares. Kuhleman's already going to the KHL. The other, the yeah. other two are, so, are in. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, these aren't replacements, Peter. It's not going to be the easiest thing to do. Well, they have enough young guys in the organization. I don't think it's not. It's that difficult, and teams go through this. Well, all right. It's 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 the 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 what magnifies that problem is he's got to figure out goaltending, and he's got to shore up his defense. And Tavares. Those are your those are your three things, plus all the RFAs. Okay. And you, um, that's your Bottle three didn't figure out Buffalo in one year either, did he? No. What's that? No, yeah. Buffalo didn't figure out Buffalo in one year either, did he? No. But no. let's 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 move on. I want to get to the Stanley Cup. Uh, obviously, uh, we had a uh, rather rather one sided score, although you know early on in the game, and Russ and I were going back and forth, Kev, on on uh, on our 
a mutual text with Eck and saying, you know, Vegas started out really well. They hit a couple posts, they had opportunities, but they didn't take advantage of those opportunities and they really needed to, to really get a jump on, on Washington. And once it was still even after those chances, Washington gets the first goal and then it was a, a, a wave. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I picked Vegas. I'm, I, I have hope still, but uh, I'm, I don't know. It, it doesn't look too good right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, to me, what it's, it's really sort of come down to like for the first six or seven minutes, the Vegas golden Knights did exactly what they wanted to do. They put a little pressure on the, uh, the Capitals, they were the same team that they were during the regular season. They were relentless. They went hard. They used their skating, but they just couldn't finish. And, you know, the, when I compare the two teams now over the first four games, what really stands out to me is the top players on the Washington Capitals, the Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, um, you know, Carlson, uh, Holtby. These guys are all standing out. You know, the best players have been the best players for – for Washington, plus they have guys like uh, in the bottom lines like Kelly uh, Smith that are playing well, and Vegas has guys that just haven't sort of risen up, and there's been no flag carrier, no. you know, nobody to right. lean on. The top line has not, you know, they you know they've they've had one goal in the last three uh, games, and you know that's, you know, it's hard to win in in a tight checking game unless your top players are really playing at a high level. Yeah, I mean, Washington. You know Go ahead, Peter. No. Okay, I was going to say, this series is completely about the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury, well, he's fallen off a cliff. He finally got so high with the save percentage that it was, like, even he couldn't believe it, and he was admiring the view from way up top above every other goaltender in the history of playoff goaltending, and then he, whoop, took a wrong step. So they're, like, it's not a slight at him. It's just that's reality. It's fine. Like you, it, what he was doing was unsustainable. There's no possible way you could sustain that for 16 wins, right? In in in, in four different series and doing what he's doing. That's the difference. Well, but I I, I it, think it's. A, oh, sorry, Peter. No, I and I mean that's just what everyone everyone was waiting to happen. Is like when does this stop? Because it was astronomical and the shooting percentage too, like. Well, I, I think it was. I think it's unsustainable for a goaltender to have a 940 save percentage or 950 or whatever it was throughout the playoffs. But the one thing I, I've noticed over the last couple of games is that Vegas's defense has not has really slipped. I mean, Shea Theodore on that giveaway on the Smith Pelly goal in mm. Game Three. Um, they're, they're allowing Washington and Washington had some really good puck luck. You know, there were a couple of the Smith belly goal in game four, the, another goal where the player where Oshie kicks it up to his stick on the goal there. I mean, they're, they're making passes cross ice that shouldn't get, even get through. And I think the difference is, is that Vegas's defense is not blocking as many shots and stopping as many passes as, as Washington is. Washington's blocking multiple shots. Orpic blocked, I think, what, six yesterday? Niskanen yeah. is blocking shots. Right now, Washington stepped up their defensive gain, and I think Vegas's defense has sort of declined a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with the exception of the one bad game recently, Washington's defense has been stepped up for a while. Uh, I look at this and I say that Shea Theodore led all skaters in ice time. Now, it's because they had a lot of power plays, but it's still too much for a young guy. Alex Tuck was second on that team when you're relying on young guys like that and you're down in the game 
That's never a good scenario. And so that that has to change. That has to there when Vegas is playing from behind, it's bad. The Capitals have had the lead the last three games. And when they have the lead, they do have the skill to make things worse. Like when it's two nothing, I know we all say, hey, it's like, you know, three nothing's one of the worst leads in hockey. But it isn't that bad of a lead when you have the talent that the Capitals do and can keep pouring it on. To their credit, they didn't try and play keep away when they had a lead. They mm. kept playing offense. Yeah, absolutely. And that, was, and that was a really smart move. Brayton Holpe, like this is the most impenetrable we've ever seen him. He looks like a robot out there. He looks like he's having an out-of-body experience. He almost, like even when he is just drinking water in between a break, he's not looking at anything in particular like I've never seen this guy this locked in, and and it's a big deal. And I'll tell you, I was impressed with Ovechkin yesterday in the locker room. I I wrote about it on Sportsology. He couldn't have been like any more somber after a win and saying, "We didn't play our best game. We've got to look on the tape. We could do better. We've got a couple days to do it." Like this is this is a guy now that realizes for all that he's worked for, and he definitely wanted to get that. Olympic gold that he never had a chance to get. This is this is it. He knows this is his shot, and and he is making. He's holding his team to a higher standard, which I think he always did, but I don't think he ever did it to this degree. And I think it's really great. And I think the example he's setting is terrific, considering Kuznetsov is his his next highest guy now. Him or Oshi, and Kuznetsov really looks up to him. I think he is getting the leadership out of these other guys, and and Vegas has a problem now. They do. Well, Vegas has a problem simply because, I mean, I want to go back to the first point about the the defense. This was happening in the Jets series, and the Jets were getting better shot locations, more shot frequencies, but there was this brick wall called Marc-Andre Fleury. And, you know, great goaltending masks a lot of problems. The Vegas defense was getting exposed it's just that he was stopping everything and you know in a few games in the san jose san jose series he was getting exposed and you know and i but rest the point i think you really that's really important here not not to miss is while i'm sort of criticizing the golden knights here washington has done a masterful job of changing some things to affect to, to exacerbate the problems their defense is having and how many times have we seen shots from the Golden Knights go in and then all of a sudden it's in the back of the net because of a goofy rebound or a bounce or something like that? When you're blocking the shots, they're not going anywhere. Right. And a few teams, the Jets didn't do that well. They let them take those shots. Next thing you know, it was down low, chaos, boom, it's behind Hellebuck. And, and that's one of the things that I think you, you point out that's really important. That tactical change by the Capitals has absolutely affected some of the way the uh, Vegas has gone around the net. They're not well, getting the same looks. But here's well, the Kevin, thing, well, and, and, and then you can answer. Here's the weird thing, and I don't know if Kevin heard it. I understand that Vegas had really good moments in that game, especially early in the first and other times, and and it just seems like a lot of the stat and, and, anal, and analytics guys were trying to find reasons why Vegas is – still in this and could still win it and everything else. And I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying when you finally have a score of four, nothing, I don't really care what you're telling me that the other team is doing right. Cause it's still four, nothing. Kevin, the one thing that I picked up on and, you know, you expect it to get a little mean when it comes to, uh, 
you know, the Stanley Cup final and wanting to achieve the ultimate prize. But I thought like the hit on Oshi by McNabb, uh, the the stuff with Wilson and and Reeves and the, the, the you know after the game. I mean, you know, it's not like 1970s you know bedlam, but I think it's it's getting a little it's getting a little uh, frisky uh, between these two teams. Well, for sure, and I think some of it is uh, you know frustration and some of it's tactics. You know, Vegas, uh, you know, kind of saying, look, we, you know, we believe we're still in this. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, fight to the end type stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why. But I found it was interesting is it, it boiled over at the end. But in the locker room, you hardly heard anything about that. Like it was already over. You know, they were already focused. Like I, the point that Russ made about uh, Ovechkin is, is right on the money because, you know, he's been like this now is particularly um, for, uh, you know, most of the playoffs, but in, in the last two series in particular, like it's really clear that he realizes this is the best mix, not so much the best team, but the best mix of players he's had. Like they have all of the elements they need, you know, to be successful in the postseason. And, you know, everybody's on the same page. Everybody understands their roles. You know, nobody is, uh, and and I think what's lost in all this too is Kuznetsov's performance has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like you know, four assists again yesterday. Like we were talking after the game, there was some writers about you know it seemed like this was the Conn Smythe Trophy was Ovechkin's for sure. Right. If Washington won the Stanley Cup, I'm not so sure now. You know, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Kuznetsov has has played so well in the final, and not that I mean Ovechkin's been great too. Like. You know, and, and so you have to sort of balance out the intangibles um, of of Ovechkin's leadership, you know, with all the offense that uh, Kuznetsov. And, you know, there was a play last night. I was watching him, uh, Kuznetsov, and, you know, he goes and he rubs out the other center that he was playing against and, you know, just playing a great defensive role. I mean, he just pushed him against the board and, you know, rendered, rendered him useless. And I thought, wow, like he's just – playing such a complete game. So I, I you know, I, I vote on that, uh, Con Smythe, and I, I'm struggling right now. About I, how- I, I, I thought Ovechkin would get veteran dispensation for, yeah. for Con Smythe because, because he's been around for so long and because this is, you know, he's finally achieved the ultimate prize. Plus, I don't know how much, how anxious the NHL and Gary Bettman will be to have Kuznetsov balancing the Con Smythe trophy and doing this all on, on the ice. I have a feeling he might do that. Well, you know, it's it's not – I mean, it is different, but it's, it's similar to the Kessel versus Crosby debate, yes. Um, yes. you know, because – the the people that uh, you know wanted Crosby pointed out that the leadership needed to be factored in, and there's no doubt this is Ovechkin's team, not Kuznetsov's team. And Kuznetsov pays homage to Ovechkin all the time in that regard. And you know, there sh- history shouldn't be taken into account, but it it does interfere uh, in in your head when you think about this. And I. You know, if you're not thinking hard about this, then you're, you know, you're doing the voting process a disfavor. Uh, this, this so I, I, you know, I've been thinking long. If Holtby has an amazing next game and they clinch it and he has a shutout, that's going to clog it up even more. If John Carlson gets a bunch more points, that could clog it up again. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's not settled. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Now, a couple, couple things here. I wanted to touch on something that Eck wrote this morning, and it, Peter, it has to do with the team that I cover and the team that you cover. Yes. And I want to get the opinion of everybody else as well. Um, it was essentially that there's a, a source that he is. He was told uh, that the Leafs are, you know, the, the Leafs are obviously looking for help on defense. Uh, the the name they, they've been connected with is Hannafin. Apparently, you know, Vancouver may be willing to give up more for Hannafin. Although I, I I was on a radio show on Friday from Vancouver, and uh, them giving up the number seven overall pick for Hannafin uh, to me to me and to most of the people that were talking and listening was a non-starter because. You know, they're a rebuilding team and there are defensemen, as Russ will tell you, in the draft who are probably as good offensively as Noah Hannafin that they can get at number seven. But the the name that Ak is talking about obviously is Jacob Truba. And the name that popped up and this is this is like old home week here, Peter. We're talking about names that we've been talking about for a year or two. Jake Gardner and the rights to James Van Riemsdyk. Now the thing that I question about this, and I'm not questioning Ak, but the, whoever his source is. What the hell would the Winnipeg Jets want with JVR? That's what I – unless it's the trick. I don't know. Unless, yeah. I don't know where he plays, but uh, the only reason I think – I don't think the rights to JVR have any significant value other than I'm, – I'm, I'm muting you, Kevin, just for the, just for the yeah. minute. <laughs> have any sort of significant um, value other than a low draft pick for any team that wants them. I just don't right. understand it. Unless there's a reason that there's another trade and getting those in that way from the lease would make sense. I, I don't understand it. Um, well, his explanation was that there are a, num- a number of teams, some of the New York teams, maybe Philadelphia, yeah. Winnipeg was in the, in the list that they would want the jump the jump on the gun to July 1st, you know, maybe before at the draft, maybe before the five day window. And that's plausible because we've seen that before, but I don't see that being valued so much that it would be a factor in a Jacob Truba deal. Unless it's, I mean, if they want a winger and they're trading basically a guy who is going to be looked at as their one, their top two franchise defensemen going forward and they want a winger and they think the rights to JVR is what's important. We got a bigger issue to talk about with the Winnipeg Jets, right? You, 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 you. If you're trading Truba, you're talking about Kapanen. Pick, pick one of them, right? That's the level we're talking at here. Kapanen, Marner. Not that I'm saying you should trade Truba for Marner. I'm just saying that's where the ask or whatever Neilander. is. Is it Neilander? Like it's going to go into one of those guys, and and that's where the bargaining chip is because they all meet the age profile. They all meet that. So. If the rights for JVR are something that teams are looking for, you know, never rule it out because the NHL is an unpredictable, an unpredictable league and way some GMs think and what they try to get creative and do. And, and that's the other thing, right? I think what we saw at the trade deadline with how the um, Penguins got Broussard and the Vegas Knights took Reeves and all this thing because it was believed it was keeping Broussard from going to the Jets. Right. There's GMs are prepared to be creative about things. And if there's, you know, what I don't understand with the rights thing is, is if you're XYZ team and you want to get a jump on the rights to JVR, why don't you just offer Dubas a, a, a decent draft pick and see what he says. And if he says, no, there's two reasons. One, he doesn't want, he wants some, keep him away from your team for whatever reason. But if you wanted to do that, he would have done that already. 
So the, it's just an odd one. That's for the, sure. The, the problem is, Kevin, is that the Leafs missed their window to move JVR for anything significant a year ago or at the deadline. And now with it, when he's less than a month away from unrestricted free agency, at most you get a fourth or fifth round draft pick. I don't see really his rights having a ton of value. Um, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that that's even remotely plausible. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Van Riemsdyk, you know, his rights may be dealt, but just as you said, it will be just for a fourth or fifth round pick to, you know, get a chance to talk to him early. I think he's going to play the field. He's going to be one of the most popular free agents in the marketplace yes. because he's not $8 million and he's a consistent goal scorer. And they're very hard to find. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the Devils, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even rule out the Penguins. Uh, you know, they don't really have the cap space to make that work. But, um, you know, Rutherford has a way of making things uh, work. I mean, there's just going to be so many teams in there. So, and the other thing is, is I, I just can't imagine a team with the Winnipeg Jets that has reached the point where they're a contender who's going to trade their shutdown defenseman. Like, why would they do that? Yeah, and especially Peter uh, and yeah. Russ, if you have anything on this, especially in in the wake of what Peter you you mentioned last week before your trip to to Napa, uh, regarding Truba wanting to uh, being open to signing yeah. a new deal with them, if that's what's being sold publicly, maybe that's not what's going on privately. Maybe he's saying I'll be willing to stay if you pay me top dollar, and they don't want to pay him top dollar. If that's the case, then maybe you know this situation. And, you know, a guy like Gardner who's under contract for another year at $4 million bucks makes sense to them, and they maybe it would be easier to re-sign him because he's from Minnesota just like Dustin Bufflin is. So, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be a stretch to re-sign him. But I, I don't know. I agree with Kevin. I don't know why Winnipeg would give up Truba now if he's willing to stay unless they can't pay him what he wants. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it either. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but – we all know the Leafs have long had feelings for Truba in, in acquiring that. He, he fits what they need so well. Yep. A, a, a number one right side defenseman. And there's long been rumors that there's been a conversation here, been a conversation right. there. But it's been murmurs and super quiet because you have the two, two most silent GMs about anything talking if they even talked. And, you know, we may not find out that until both Kevin Allen, or sorry, Kevin Allen, my God, <laughs> Kevin Sheveldayoff and Lou Lamarillo are both six feet under and it's on their headstones. Yes, we talked about Jake Atruba, right? Like, that's just how it goes with those two. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah, no problem. I would like to run So hire me as your assistant. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of situation we're dealing with and finding that out. But if, if the Leafs look at where they are right now and they say, this should be our number one priority. Right. Then we're going to hear some crazy stuff about Jacob Truba because they should be doing that. Right. Kyle Dubas should be working a way to find a solution for that problem. And Jacob Truba should be one of his top three targets. Right. Now, we're probably just, you know, X probably hearing one of the, the murmurs of goofiness that always comes through things. And, and that's part of the process, right? You know what? Here's the thing, though, Peter. And this is, it's going to get tough in Winnipeg simply because, like, RFA wise, this year you got Truba, you have yep. Marcy, you have Hellebuck. 
I mean, Hellebuck had an amazing year, so he he's not coming cheap anymore. And then next year you've got Liney and Kyle Connor. Like this is, yeah. I, you know, when you start projecting out now, you do have to figure out who you're not going to keep out of that, and it could be Tyler Myers. And you know, I mean, Tyler Myers is a UFA uh, year too. Yeah, yeah. I the thing with Tyler Myers is is there is a fairly large section of fans, and fans don't make the decisions but who are ready to cut bait with him. And I think there's reason to do that. Um, will the organization cut bait with him, given the thing, given what he went through last year, the support, they use that as sort of an, un, like as, as part of their selling point on being in Winnipeg is this is an organization that cares. So for see, see them cut bait like that, this offseason would be surprising. But given the way Toby Enstrom's left the team and, and some of the animosity there, maybe they're prepared to be a little harder because now they have depth in the organization and they have to make the hard decisions about salary cap space because it's a reality now. And I could see Tyler Myers being moved. I could see Mason being moved, but I think that's at 4 million. Long, they're going to have to eat yeah. some of Mason's deal. Or yeah, absolutely. I, I, but I could see it. It doesn't mean it will, it'll happen, yeah. but if the cap goes up just enough, I think there's a possibility, and one of the names you could probably see moved later on, and doesn't have to happen this year, but is Matthew Perot. Yeah. Who has uh, value, four point one million. It's there's a possibility there. Like there's ways to make this work, but it's not without sacrifice. Kevin, just to finish off the show here, um, you know, we, um, Peter was just talking about the salary cap and. From the from the stuff that came out this morning uh, regarding that the fact that the escrow amount uh, withheld is going to be I think it's less than ten percent, and the uh, projections from Gary Bettman that the cap is going to be anywhere from seventy eight to eighty two. I'm assuming it's going to probably land in the middle at eighty, which would be a, a five million dollar bump for every team. I, I think that's going to generate a lot of business in terms of free agency. And I look at this class, and uh, you know, to be honest other than Tavares and Van Riemsdyk and Carlson, it really stinks. It's not a good class yeah, at all. But but it's going to help in the trades. You know, yes. that, that that helps. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that could be dealt um, because of, uh, you know, contract situations, you know, starting with, you know, Eric Carlson, you know, yeah. what happens with Pacioretty, um, you, know, you know, as Ekman Larson, uh, they're going to get him signed. Now, they, 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 the Coyotes really believe they're going to get it done. They've they've clearly offered him a fair contract. It just comes down to whether he wants to stay there or not. But, you know, if they can't get him signed, if he just is honest with them and says, look, you know, I'd rather test the market just because I don't know what's going to happen here in Arizona, right. um, then, you know, you know, he would be better. And that, that's where that bumping is really going to help um, because I think it's going to allow some teams to – fit some players in that they they wouldn't have been able to do without that increase. I, I did want you know, at the risk of sounding like act, but I just did give a text. Uh, oh, no, a three-way trade. Here we go. <laughs> no three-way trade, but a text of a guy who is pretty wired in who told me, I, he might be watching the show is why I brought this up, that he's been told that uh, DJ Smith will be the Islanders coach. Okay. That's, so. that's what I, me I mentioned, and uh, yeah. I, I think – and I think that that if that happens, that's excellent. If that happens, then I think there's a distinct possibility that Sheldon Keefe moves up from the Marlies and becomes an NHL assistant because, yeah. you know, the one thing you know he was a coach at, in the OHL at Sault Ste. Marie. He's and if he wins a Calder Cup, 
He really has nothing else to prove at the AHL level unless they want to have him continue to develop their young players. That that's always a possibility. But I, if if DJ Smith takes the Islanders' job, then uh, I think Sheldon Keith could move well, up to. One last thing because yep. it's a note, and then I got to go. Martin Kaut went home early from the combine. Uh, Jiffy Vitek is reporting on Twitter that he had a heart issue and he had to undergo minor surgery. There was a chance he could have been like a bottom of the first round guy. Now he might be a bottom of the second or even into the third because of this. So that'll, that'll scare some teams away, but teams, even though he's a talent. Okay. Thanks guys. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much. Um, I, I'm assuming you're going to Vegas, so safe travels. Um, yeah, uh, thanks, buddy. Peter. Thank you, Russ. Uh, for the for the panel, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.